The Your Safe Space podcast is recorded on Wurundjeri land. This podcast acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to Your Safe Space, the podcast. I'm your host, Adele Marie, and this podcast is here for you. It is a safe space for us to catch up each week to discuss anything and everything. And on today's show, we are talking all things money and finance with a very special guest. Guys, if you're watching on the podcast, you'll see I'm joined by Natasha Etchman. Some of you may know her as Tash Invest. Hi, Tash. How are you? Hi, good. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you so much for coming on. I'm having a big fangirl moment this morning, guys, because I've followed Tash, Tash for quite some time and I'm so excited that firstly, you're like giving up your time to come and spend it with us in the community um, and just like meeting you in real life. I'm very, very excited for this episode. I will give a quick intro and then I'll hand over to you to give a little bit of an intro about yourself. But guys, if you don't know Tash, she is a finance content creator. She shares how to save, invest, spend, and she educates others on financial literacy and helps normalize money conversations, which I love. Not only that, she has very recently completed studying at uni. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) It's very exciting. It's so exciting. Mm. Where you studied occupational therapy? Yes. Yeah. Amazing. And while you've been creating content, you've also been working full time as well Mm -hmm. in OT support work. Lots of different jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So I was doing support work for a few years. And then the last year I went and worked a snow season. Yeah. 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 So lots of different fun stuff. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Do you want to give us a little bit of an intro to yourself? I know I covered off some stuff. Yeah. But I think you nailed that. (laughs) Um, Did my research. Yeah. I'm from Perth. That's another fun thing. But yeah, I guess you just nailed that intro. Yeah. I also want to say you've very recently become licensed to talk about investing. Yes. Very exciting. Been like seven months in the works, but yeah, it's all coming together now. It's yeah. And what was like your driving force behind that? I just really wanted to share what I was talking about anyway. Like money conversations are so important. And when I first started learning about investing, there wasn't really any relatable info. I only saw like fancy financial advisors or older people talking about it. So I think it's really important. And yeah, it's just so much fun talking about it. Yeah, it's incredible. And I would say if you guys aren't familiar with Tasha's content, one of the things I love about it is just how like digestible it is, how approachable you are, how I guess welcoming you are in your content as well. Like it doesn't feel oh, overwhelming. So nice. Yeah. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> finance doesn't have to be tricky or complex. It's just made to seem that way. Absolutely. And I feel like it can be so overwhelming, especially if you don't know a lot, but I feel like you do a good job at not making it overwhelming. Oh, yeah. All the happy feels. (laughs) All the good feels to start the show. What I usually do for the listeners is get them just to reflect on like their highlight for the week, their gratitude or their struggle. And I thought I might ask you to share something if you feel comfortable. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So highlight of the week was definitely finishing uni. So it was my last day on Wednesday and it was a bit sad, but it was very exciting at the same time. Yeah. A new chapter. Yeah. But I guess the struggle with that was just having a bit of an overwhelming week at uni and trying to do all my other stuff and then coming to Melbourne as well. But I'm also very grateful for all the things I get to do. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. How exciting. It's like the start of a new chapter for you. and Yeah, it's crazy. It's all kind of happened at one time. Yeah. That's very good. And it's also like busy time of year. Yeah. December. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> crazy time. And the other thing I love getting my guests to do is ask them to share their favorite thing that they do for self-care. Because we're, I guess, a self-care podcast. I would yeah. Say. Finance is self-care, so it works well. Yeah. Um, I think any kind of movement, so Pilates or going bouldering, that always like improves my mood quite a bit. Okay, bouldering. Yeah. yeah. Talk to me about that. That's my hobby of the month. Is um, it? I love No, I've been that. doing it for a few months now and I, I love it. It's been so good. Amazing. Um, 
because I got I've got a few friends who go as well, and it's a bit different to the gym because you kind of climb and you can sit and laugh and chat to people, and it's probably the fittest I've gotten the quickest as well, which has been really fun. I admire that. I'm pretty scared of heights. You'll have to come one time. We should go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll put myself out of my comfort zone. Yes, <laughs> it's not too high. <laughs> no, I don't know. I just I can't even climb a ladder. You go to the gym though. You'll be fine. <laughs> a mental game <laughs> yeah yeah true that all right guys now this episode is going to be a little bit different we're doing questions that you guys sent through so thank you so much if you sent them through I obviously always appreciate that and it'll just be like a chatty episode back and forth Tash and I have picked out some of your best questions there were so many good ones I know so many I'm just excited that you guys are as excited as I am to have Tash on the show and so let's jump into it. The first one, how to manage finances when moving out of home for the first time. Oh, this one is very exciting. I think it's like there's a lot to answer with this one, I guess, but just being really aware of your finances and where you are and what you're earning and what you're currently spending before you start budgeting for that. Um, so it depends where you are in your finance journey, I guess. But how did you budget to move out? I didn't. No? No. And... I wish I did. Yeah. It was a bit of a shock to me when I moved out and I yeah. started like paying rent, paying bills. I was like, oof, I really did not prepare for this. Yeah. I guess I prepared more for the physical things in terms of like buying secondhand furniture yeah. or marketplace or taking stuff from like home that I could or if anyone wanted to give me stuff to take yeah. with me. But yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't really prepare. And so I guess my tip would probably be to, I guess, have a practice run at potentially, mm. you know putting aside money for rent or putting aside money for bills. Or All the extra things. I think people consider bills and furniture, but not power and water and things breaking. And when I first moved out, I bought my apartment as well. So it was like strata fees and water rates and council things and stuff like that. Yeah, which is no one talks about. Yeah, well, I was I was prepared for them, luckily, and I had like a big savings buffer as well. So I think that's a good point. Like have your emergency fund, have a savings buffer for those extra costs and just be aware of the extra things as well. Yeah, I love that. And I would say emergency fund is probably one of like the big tips that I guess if you're not in debt, like working towards having that first before you go and do anything else, just yeah. to have that back up. It's such a safety net. It's so nice being like, cool, I've got that money. It doesn't matter now because like I've always got that there. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I think next question, torn between saving and invest now or spend my money while I'm young. I love this one. I think I definitely had all my phases when I was like 17, 18. I was very frugal and I counted every dollar that I spent and I was all about investing as much as I could. And then now I definitely have a bit more of a balance. So I think if you have really strict goals, you do have to sacrifice sometimes, but it's important to try and find that balance and whatever that means for you. Yeah. So just on that, you said that that was around you being 17. Yeah. When I first finished school, I was like, I wanted to travel. So I was kind of saving to travel, but I was like, I'm going to save everything. And I didn't buy drinks out. I was like, oh, I don't really want to go socialize with my friends because it's a bit expensive and I want to save for my holiday. And then, yeah, I just worked a lot. I picked up all, like, every overtime shift ever. I was at uni full-time, so it was just very full-on. Yeah. And it was good because it got me to where I am now. But having to learn how to go the other way a little bit more was interesting as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like it'll change as you go. But having goals and figuring out how you can actually enjoy life while you're doing them. Yeah, correct. And I think for me, like, I've swung the opposite way. <laughs> like, I was very, like, poor with my money in my like early my late teens my early 20s and I I would say I was like more of a spender and I didn't really care to save I didn't really care to invest but then coming into learning more about money and coming into learning about what that would mean for my future and becoming more conscious of it if I look back now not that I have any regrets but I probably would have tried to achieve a better balance where I did look after my future but I still 
enjoyed like that. Yeah, I think time it's of my life. really easy to try and just justify one or the other instead of having that balance and like realizing how much freedom sorting out your money earlier on gives you. Because a lot of people are like, oh, you mustn't have done anything if you saved this much money. But it's quite the opposite. Like yeah. I've done a lot because of that. Absolutely. Just changing that mindset, yeah. But it's not going to be perfect. Like you can figure it out as you go and trial different things. Yeah, absolutely. And I would also say as well, back in my early 20s, that education and that resource element, it wasn't really a thing. Like it wasn't something that was discussed. Yeah, it's not well. like today where there's so many podcasts and everything's everyone's talking about it. Not everyone, but so many more people are talking, are talking about, about it now. It. Correct. Yeah. So I guess my advice there would definitely be to achieve a balance because you don't have to just save all your money, not live your life and not enjoy it. Because on the other hand, I think life is short, you should enjoy it. But if you are wanting to save and invest and look into your future, there are definitely ways that you can do that. And you might butcher this quote, but it's one where you can like, you can have whatever you want, just not everything. Yes. Yeah. So you can't have everything, but yeah, you can, you can work towards it. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you started so young. Where did that come from? Can I just ask that other question? Yeah, yeah. yeah. My parents were very open about money my whole childhood. Like, I don't think they intentionally, like, we're going to build a very financially literate human. They just, like, we discussed family holidays and budgeted for them together. We'd, like, sit on, we have one of those lazy Susans, and we put the budgets around them and, like, talk about them. I love and that. And they'd be like, oh, you can't have Foxtel if you want to do X, Y, Z. And That's amazing. Yeah, they talked about mortgages and pay rises and we moved around a lot. So they were talking about why we were moving and like the opportunities and stuff like that. So it was a normal conversation and saving just came naturally. Like there was no other option for me. It was just what people did. Yeah. Yeah. That'd so I'm very grateful cool. for them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. And I guess on that, we can go into the next question, which is best budgeting tips. So this one came up quite a bit. I'd say it was probably like the most asked question. Yeah. Um, and that tends to come up as well whenever... I've like I've done one money episode before this one and that came up quite a bit as well. So I get asked this so much as well. <laughs> I think everyone <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think everyone wants like a set budgeting, like this is exactly how you do it. And unfortunately it's not the answer. Like you can you follow like it's that easy. Yeah, yeah, you can follow rules, but they won't work for everyone. And it's unfair to say that someone with a forty thousand dollar income will have the same budget as someone with a two hundred thousand dollar income. Yeah. So I think it's just getting really in line with your spending and being very aware of it. So tracking your spending, sitting down, writing everything down, taking out your bank balances and highlighting your bank statements as well and then making a realistic budget from there I think the best tip as well is just being realistic yeah don't go on a big starvation diet and cut everything out and then fail in a few weeks like set yourself up for success and like realize it's a journey as well you won't have a perfect budget straight away you can start a little bit and then get better and better and yeah it's a it's a journey I was gonna say that and for me as well it was like trial and error yeah figuring out like what worked or what didn't and then also you know you may go through those bank statements and then you may highlight the stuff but there might be something else that comes up that you have forgotten about Mm. that you know then to factor in yes those yearly costs I think they get left out a lot car insurance rego stuff like that yeah and they're big ticket items yeah as well and even things like and I guess I'm noticing this as well so the podcast episode that I recorded um, last week was about Christmas time and a lot of the questions there came up about like the stress with like buying presents and gift giving and things like that and one thing that I never factored into a budget before was like Christmas time or gifts even yeah. just like birthday gifts and things I find like gifts that. really interesting because my family's always been really open about it and we set yeah. budgets beforehand and yeah. they like we discuss things we're like cool we're only spending $20 because we're doing lunch or something instead yeah so I think around Christmas time like setting those budgets with your friends and being really open and like that's a good way to start money conversations as well like, yeah. oh, life's a bit tough at the moment maybe we can just do a lunch at the park instead of Christmas presents Absolutely. Well, how do you budget? Yeah. How do I? I I'm going to say I did that. Like I did that first activity where I went through all of the costs. And I guess it was good for me to put 
everything under a microscope and see, well, I'm probably spending more than what I should be. And that yeah. was like a bit of a awareness wake up call for yeah, myself. Yeah, it's a really hard moment. Yeah. yeah. In my mind, I had had this idea that, oh, I really want to save. I really want to do this. I want to pay off my debt because that was kind of the driving factor for me at, at the mm-hmm. first time that I ever did a budget for the first time in my life. And I was then able to make those decisions, see what costs I needed to cut out. And it wasn't a whole, like, you know, let me be, like, super, super frugal. It was trial and error, baby steps. And eventually I got to a point where I was um, spending less than what I was and I was able to get my budget into, like, a surplus, a better point. But I would say awareness and then just doing your best with it and realising that you're not going to be perfect. Yeah, and we're all at different stages in our life as well. Like, if you're at uni, you can just be like, cool, I'm surviving and that's okay and that's fine. And then, like, work towards it later on in life, yeah. Yeah, and I would say too, like, if you're someone that's listening and you work part-time, it's very hard to then compare to someone who's on, like, a full-time income. Yeah, yeah. Like that, so being realistic yeah absolutely helps too and the shame yeah trying to take the shame away from it because if you're just feeling guilty the whole time or having a lot of negative emotions around it you're not probably going to succeed with it yeah and we'll get to that because there's a question there's a question about that later (laughs) yeah (laughs) and so this kind of trails into the next question which is tips for saving for a house deposit and I guess I don't just want to talk about the tips I think I want to talk about a house deposit in general or like things to know Mm -hmm. when you're going into that yeah I think it's really important to work backwards for me anyways instead of just being like I want to save for whatever it is if you need I saved $50,000 for mine because I bought an apartment in Perth which is a little bit cheaper than over here um yeah but it was like working backwards so if it's 50 grand is that 10 grand a year how much is that a week or a month and then working that way yeah and then also having a budget for extra expenses so I had like 10 grand on top of that for things like settlement fees and like extra furniture and paying bills and stuff because I got like all the pro-rated council rates and everything at the same time too and then even just, like, moving costs. Like, moving is not cheap either. It's an expensive yeah. exercise. Yeah. <laughs> very, very And then just buying all the Uber Eats while you're sitting on your floor being like, what am I going <laughs> to do with my life? Yeah. yeah. No couch, no kitchen table, no furniture yet. Yeah. But if you haven't, like, looked into buying a house yet and you don't know where to start with a deposit rather than just pulling the number out of wherever, yeah. um, you can look at houses around to see how much they are, kind of getting a rough, rough idea. And then use a one of those calculators, see yep. how much you can borrow. And then there's different ways to get loans as well. Like you can save 20% and not pay LMI, which is lender's mortgage insurance, mm-hmm. kind of protects the bank. Or there's lots of schemes as well where you can only save 5% and not pay LMI. So just kind of looking into all those options to see how much you actually need to save initially for that deposit. Yeah. And did you use a broker? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So did I. And I found that process being a little bit more seamless and easy for me because the broker really helped in terms of like seeing if I was eligible for any schemes or giving me that guidance. Yeah, and you can definitely shop around for brokers. Like don't feel guilty (laughs) for moving on from one. Like not all of them are the best fit for you. Yeah. Um, But yeah, because I was working two casual jobs at the time during when COVID first started. So a lot of banks weren't lending to people with casual jobs. So the broker really helped me find someone who could actually get it through in the time frame that I needed as well. Yeah. I'm going to say definitely working backwards for me would be my tip too and breaking it down into smaller chunks so I think for me when I was finally out of debt and I wanted to start saving for a deposit for a property I knew that I wanted to save an amount but I didn't know how much I needed to save and I didn't know what I needed to do and so my broker did help me in that process but we kind of worked at it in like small lump sum so I would be like let me save five grand first yeah. I'd get to that point and then I'd do like something nice for myself and yeah. then I'd save another five grand and I would do the same thing and it yeah. just kind of kept me going rather than seeing like, oh goodness, I've got to save this much money. Like it feels so far away. Yeah, it does feel really far away. If you're like setting a five-year goal, like that's ages. Yeah. yeah. 
And so breaking it up into smaller, smaller and like bites automating it helps. as well. If you yeah. work out how much you need to save every week, set up that a transfer. So if it's a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars, automate it like a bill and just let it do itself, do its thing automatically. All right. Anything else that we should add for that one? I feel like we covered quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. This question is probably my favorite one. And I think probably one of the ones that are more important It is how do I normalize having money conversations with friends? This is such an important one. Mm. I feel like the world would be such a better place if we all just spoke about money. Um, I know, but but people don't. And no. I feel like it's like, I don't know, maybe it's a generational like societal thing where it's like, don't talk about money. Like it's one of the it's things rude. that you never talk about. Yeah. But it's like, it doesn't have to be rude. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. I we don't talk about very differently, I guess. Um, where I lived in like small communities with my family and I'd always be like, how much are you earning? And how much is your house worth? Because that was like normal in my family to do that. And my grandparents bought property as well. So like I would go to auctions with them and it was just such a normal thing. And then, yeah, finding out later on that people didn't want to answer you was quite interesting. You're like, oh, why can't you tell me how much you earn? Yeah. Um, I think it's just like depending on your money story and how you grew up, it's really hard to get comfortable with because if your automatic gut reaction is like, oh, this is a yucky topic, then yeah, it's really hard. But I think just like being the person to start it. So you can be like, what are your goals? Um, or when you're planning a date or a friend activity or something like that, being like, oh, I can only spend this much this week and kind of going from there. Yeah. Just being, yeah, it's really hard, but just being the one to start it. And then people are usually pretty happy once you share something to jump on it as well. Yeah. Or admitting you have debt or something like that too. And then everyone else is like, oh, me too. Great. Yeah. And it becomes more normalized. And yeah. Like yeah. on the same page. And I think it's just that communication piece. And I've had friends or I've been the friend to say I'm saving for something or I can't afford that. Like, can we do a walk instead yeah. instead of going out for breakfast or going out to lunch? Or if we're going out for dinner, like this is the budget or this is kind yeah, of like I'm what we're willing to spend. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have to split the bill with everyone. Correct. Yes. <laughs> and actually just talking up and it can feel a little bit uncomfortable, but the more you do it, the better you get at it and the easier it is to have. Yeah. I think set goals. Like if I see you do lots of journaling, I but do. every week kind of have a little goal there, like tell one person one money goal or something like that and then reflect on how that went and how you felt as well and set yourself like little micro micro goals like that. Yeah. And talk to your friends or family or whoever or I don't know, post it on Instagram. Start a money Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And it is a bit of a journey because I would say compared to you, I had a very different money story where it wasn't spoken about. It wasn't something that... And that's the most common for everyone, I think. Yeah. And then that like manifested in me into like having a very poor relationship with money. But then I carried a lot of shame around money just because of my relationship with it. And it took a while for me to change that, but it can be changed. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what I want to share with you guys too. Like if you are in that situation, you can absolutely get to a different point where it's not an uncomfortable conversation and it can be something that's just yeah. part of like conversation. It's just a normal part of life. A normal conversation. Yeah. And like going into like the wage gap and everything as well. If everyone openly spoke about their salaries, we would fix so many problems. But that's a bit of a rabbit I hole. I know. I know. And I feel like employers like that we don't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. <sighs> Benefits them so much more. It does. Yeah, it's crazy. That's a whole other can of worms. Yes, yeah, <laughs> we won't go there here. <laughs> so this is the other question that's also super important and is going back to what you just touched on. How do you overcome feeling inadequate in terms of salary and savings compared to your peers? This one is so hard. I think we all compare, especially today in the world of TikTok where you can see everyone's highlights all the time. Yeah. Um, I think it's just being really clear on your goals and where you are in your journey at the moment and acknowledging that you're not where everyone else is and you can't see everyone's past as well. Um, so I kind of talk about how much I've saved online and a lot of people will be like, oh, where did that come from? But they don't see that I've been saving since I was like 14 and I've had years and years talking to my parents about this stuff. 
it's really important just to acknowledge where you are and then set your own goals and like just compare yourself to yourself yeah but that's really that's a lot easier said than done absolutely and I think that's that obviously the comparison piece here is the main point and I think it's not necessarily just about money because we would tend to do that about everything everything <laughs> yeah and I think generally it's like I get questions about how people compare themselves to others that are in relationships if they're not in one or they've bought a house because and someone else hasn't or you know yeah. they know that they're earning more or they're not and it's an easy trap to fall into but I would just say focusing on your own lane, mm-hmm. focusing on yourself and having that clear vision on your own goals generally keeps you busy enough to not worry what others are doing. Yeah. And I really like that, how you said you can't see their past and you yeah. can't. The like, grass is always greener, that kind of yeah. quote. When you're like looking at relationships, you don't see the toxic side to some of them. Or when you're looking at like fitness people, you don't see maybe like the eating disorder behind it or the years and years of training and hard work that's gone into it. Yeah. And also a lot more people are in debt than I think people realise. Okay, so when let's unpack that. Yeah. Talk to me about the stats because I saw one of your TikToks where you had mentioned how many percentages of Australians were in debt in regards yeah. to like I don't know off the top of my head. Do you want to Google that? No, really, no. No, we won't go into the, yeah, into cool. the total stats. But yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of people are in debt. Yeah, most most people have opened. I'm not going to say most people. Most people in our age have opened like a buy now, pay later account. Lots of people have credit card debt. I was reading the stats about personal loans and travel. Yeah. So I can't believe so many people have gotten a personal loan to travel. Because that to me, I I'm d- like, oh I my gosh. I did yeah. that. Yeah, I was <laughs> shocked. But it's yeah. most people don't talk about it. Like no. on Instagram, you don't put, oh, haha, I'm in debt to go on this holiday. Yeah. You're like, look at my amazing Europe trip. Can you and imagine if we did that? I would love it. I always said that on Instagram. I was like, yes, we should disclaim a debt. Like yeah. put on this, no, no, my car is a car loan. Because I find that really interesting when someone's celebrating a car purchase, but they've just gotten a car loan for it. Yeah. And it's awesome, like great for them and everything. But it's like, oh, this isn't really a big achievement, is yeah. it? Like you haven't saved for it. And like, I love that people are celebrating and everything. But yeah, if everyone disclaimed, this is my interest rate. This is how much it's costing me. Really costing yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So this five well. grand holiday is actually 10 grand. Or my credit card bill has been maxed out pretty much. Then yeah, yeah. it would be a lot less glamorous. 100%. Because people don't. And I, I was one of them. I was posting my Europe photos, mm. not not saying like I'm in a lot of personal debt over It's not a normal thing to do. No. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, congrats. You're having a great holiday. Like, it looks amazing. Yeah. Little did they know like what was really going on behind the scenes. And then marketing really plays into it with all like the you deserve this. This is self-care. And self-care isn't buying new things or going on holiday. Self-care is doing things that will actually make yourself feel better yeah. and not hurt yourself in the future. Correct. And protect the future. Yeah. I feel like self-care marketing is very interesting. It's like, let's buy bath bombs and have a bubble bath and buy Sephora face masks. Well, not Sephora, but whatever it is. Yeah. 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 When really it's just... Spend a lot of money going to make for a yourself walk. feel better. Yeah. 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 As I said at the start, like this podcast is big on self-care and I, I love the self-care that like doesn't cost anything that's free that is more accessible because it doesn't it doesn't always need to be like treating yourself on that level yeah and I'm not trying to demonize people spending money on it like I know people love a bubble bath and everything and all those other things (laughs) but just being really mindful about it and not trying to like fall into the trap of spending to try and reach a goal I guess yeah I was a bit wishy-washy that sentence but you know when you like want to start something new and you want to go to the gym and you buy all the activewear outfits and you buy all this stuff and then you don't actually commit to it in the end like kind of stepping back and being like, what can I do for free before I play into all of that and buy yeah. everything for it? And spend money on something. Yeah, and I'm yeah. guilty of that. I have a new hobby and I buy everything straight away. I'm like, yes, cool. <laughs> I buy everything. Yeah, same, same. Yeah. And so with that comparison piece, it's like you really don't know. You really don't know what someone else, even even if it may on face value seem a certain way, you really don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Mm. And just keep focusing on you, focusing on your goals. Keep that as your clear vision and focus on watering that 
your own yeah. graphs. Yeah, unfollow people if you're compar- comparing yourself yes. to them too much. I say that as well. Yeah, because yeah. there's so many other things as well. Like people can have inheritances or be given money, yes. or they could have like earned a lot more than you think they do. There's like so many different things that go on as well. And like also, if you if someone started working and they're 18, they might seem like they're more ahead now. But if you're studying a degree or something, your income potential could be way higher than theirs. So yeah, it just doesn't work. Correct. Yeah. Definitely, because people enter the workforce at different ages and then also like different roles, pay different levels of salary, different yeah. jobs, pay, like there's so many levers at play that you'll never be able to see everything and it's, I guess, more peaceful just to choose to focus on you. Yeah, more productive to focus on you. Yeah, absolutely. And so that leads into the next question as well. Is it okay to not be investing and not have a huge savings when you're a working student? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Being a student is tough. It's really stressful, especially Hard. these days. Everything's expensive. Uni is stressful. Everything costs so much. It's okay to not burn yourself out completely. It might be worth for you spending a lot more time focusing on uni and getting a good job than it is trying to work at Woolies or something and saving that money too. But yeah, it's about perspective and what you want to do, I guess. Yeah. Like I definitely worked a lot during uni and I ended up failing a few units and really dragging out my degree. So trying to prioritise what your goals are there. Yeah. Did you think that was because you felt, I guess, like spread thin? Yeah, well, I was very academically driven in high school and then I went to uni and I was like, this is great. It's going to be a great time. But then I started working and I was very excited about earning lots of money and I ended up doing like 40, 50 hour weeks. So obviously that wasn't going to be very sustainable. That's like full time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On top of, yeah, OT, which is quite a full time degree. Full time job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And that was like worked out quite well for me in the end because I got to work and do lots of different things. But yeah, like you can't have everything. And then I ended up getting quite burnt out and going to the snow and doing other things instead. But yeah. It's not as easy as it looks. Yeah, no, it's not. And I think I feel so far away from like that university world now because that was a long time ago. But at that time, I think I was working part time, but I wasn't doing I wasn't doing 40, 50 hours. I think I was doing like 15 hours a week. And it's still stressful. 12 hours a week. Yeah. Maybe that, but I wasn't saving that money. I mean, I was out partying and drinking every weekend, so I definitely wasn't saving that money, but it was like a, just a paycheck to paycheck yeah. type of thing. And I think it's okay just to honour where you are at in your life. I think it's really important to build the habits still. So if you yes. can, save $5 a week yeah. and like build that habit and move from there and don't go into debt, I guess. Like don't make your situation worse, but also don't feel guilty about where you are. I like that. Don't make your situation worse. Yes, yeah. I like that a lot. Because I think people do try and justify that. They're like, oh, I'll get a job after so I can get a credit card because I'll pay it off. Like, don't assume you can pay stuff off in the future. Yeah, and I think that was probably one of the things that kept me in that debt loop. I would think, oh, I'll just worry about this later. Like, yeah. I'm okay now. I'll just, I'm already in debt. What's, what's yeah, a little bit more? That's like, bad I pay later pretty much. It's like, yeah. oh, I know I'll have the money later. But you're not, you don't actually know that because if you had it, then why don't why you save it now kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we have pretty similar views on the whole buy now, pay later. Yes, I hate situation. it. Yeah. Same, same. It makes me so mad. I hate their marketing and they're trying to normalize it and like being like, oh, I don't have no money. Haha, buy clothes. Like, no, don't do that. No. Yeah. And I think I spoke about it on the other podcast episode I did, but I've spoken about it many times. I just think it reinforces really poor and shit behavior. Yeah. There was a study I read about happiness and how buy now, pay later is like kind of ruining that because the like the most happy people feel is in the anticipation for something so for a holiday you're happier in the lead up to it than you are actually getting back from it and you get more joy from it just thinking about it and planning it so by now pay later takes that away because you get it straight away and then also your brain is rewired to see things in smaller chunks rather than the full price as well yeah yeah i've read that you're still paying full price yes yeah yeah. (laughs) your brain's like oh it's only 15 dollars not 60 
Yeah. yeah. No, I'm always saying close that after pay account. Yeah. <laughs> and also you don't, like, I feel like waiting for stuff, I usually don't want it after I've waited as well. Yeah, or like, sleeping on sleeping on a purchase yeah. before you actually commit to purchasing something, especially if it's a large amount. By the time you sleep and, like, go a few days, you're like, hey, do I even really want this? No, just wait for it to go on sale. Yeah. It'll go on sale at some point. Everything goes on sale. Yeah. And then by the time it gets there, you're like, oh, I don't need it. Yeah. yeah. And the phase or, like, what you wanted is done. Mm. Oh, gosh. Buy now, pay later. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This question, I'm glad that you wanted to put in because let's <laughs> unpack it. My husband is set on keeping our crypto and I'm over it. Should we keep her in there? I love this one. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on from the crypto side. But yeah, no, crypto is very interesting. There's lots been going on with crypto in general. Um, in terms of like assets or investments, it is very risky and very speculative. If you've kind of got like bonds down the bottom, shares, and then like crypto is like off the charts pretty much. Yeah. Um, but I think this question is more about just like discussing money and money goals with your partner and where you're at and understanding why you've put your money into that investment together. Like if it's both of your money, why is it in there? Have you agreed to it? What's your plan with it? Or if it's just his money, do you agree with what he's spending on? Are you aligning in that way? I think talk this about. is so interesting because I've gotten into relationships before and I've not discussed money at all in some of these relationships. Yeah, that's wild to me because I'm like, yeah. hey, what do you talk about? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what else do you talk about? Yeah. Other, other things, but money is like one of, the, one of the most important things. And especially in a relationship, I'm going to say that probably causes a lot of the issues. Causes lots of divorces. Yeah. Correct. How, I guess it's probably like talking about it with your friends. How do you have that conversation? You just start it, right? Yeah, just do it. Yeah. I think like when you're first dating someone, like kind of sliding it in there, like what are your goals? What are your money goals? What are you saving for as well to see how they like kind of react to that as well? Are they saving? Are they just like, oh, what is saving? Yeah. Or do they have like a big plan? And then just discussing them together. Like, where do you want to go? Are you going to have a joint spending account, a joint savings account? Do you want to buy a house? Do they want to rent forever? Do you want to rent forever? And making sure you really align. So it's going to cause lots of problems in the future, especially if you're having kids as well. Yeah. And you're quite a mismatch. Yeah. I talk a lot about like core values and knowing your values and yeah. being in alignment. And I think money is no different. Yeah. With your partner. And at the start and of a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're kind of a lot more accepting of different things. But if like you're a spender and they're a saver, that can be really challenging. Mm-hmm. Especially. Yeah. Especially as you, when kids happen and other things. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so interesting. Okay, so the advice to this listener is to have a chat with her, with her husband. Yes, I can't tell you what to do with crypto. Yeah. It's very sad at the moment. Whoever's got crypto out there, um, it's definitely all dropped quite a bit. Yeah. But if you, it depends why you bought the crypto as well and what it is. Like if you bought it to hold it long term because you really believe in it, then keep holding it, I guess, just because yeah. it's dropped in the short term. But if you've bought something speculative and you don't think it's going to recover at all, then yeah. Depends what it is. Yeah. Wow. A lot to unpack <laughs> there. I'm going to do some crypto research. I'll ask Tash questions off yes. air. <laughs> uh, and then this is our last question. Uh, how much do you need to start investing? I feel like I can't until I have thousands of dollars of disposable income. This is quite a big misconception. You can actually start with like $5. But I think the bigger question here is when are you ready to start investing? Like do you have an emergency fund? Do you have surplus income? Are you kind of in a... In a s- not a safe space, but yeah, a position where you can be investing extra money like that. But yeah, you can use micro-investing apps that literally you put in $5. Or a lot of the brokers now, you have a minimum of 200 or $500, so it's a lot less than you think. And I think one of the micro-investing apps can be really good for building up those habits initially and just getting used to the market and how it moves. Because mm-hmm. watching your $100 go up and down is a lot better than watching your $1,000. And like, that's why I started as well, putting in $5 a week and just watching it go. Yeah. Yeah. 
And in terms of micro-investing apps, are you allowed to mention any or no? Yeah, yeah, I can just okay. name them. Yeah. Um, so the big ones are Raise, Spaceship, and Perla has a micro-option as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, or even just like, I think Sharesies is just like a broker and you can invest a cent with Sharesies as well. Um, a lot of ones that aren't Chess-sponsored. So there's like Chess-sponsored and Custodian types okay. of, like the two different types of brokers. So Chess, you own the shares directly. Um, and you can put them on a share registry and they're completely yours. They're a little bit more expensive. And then custodian is your money's kind of pulled and you have legal ownership but not direct ownership of them. But okay. it's cheaper to use a custodian broker. Um, so there's like Superhero as well. I think it's a minimum of $100 and free brokerage. Okay. Whereas Perler I think is like $6.50 now and they are chess sponsored. Or Stake I think is $3 and they're chess sponsored. But yeah, like, sorry, lots of information no, there. No, no, that's okay. I think yeah. it's interesting because in terms of myself, like I don't have – shares in that way I think the only shares I have are in my super <laughs> yes oh that's a good point yeah everyone's an investor if you have super correct think, yeah and even with that so I went and saw a financial advisor who manages it for me yeah and took it out of whatever one I think my first job had it in yeah paying lots of crazy fees but even seeing how that moves and understanding yeah understanding that and one thing I do is I put extra money into my super at the moment and that's kind of been my Very I smart. guess habit yeah. to do but yeah. eventually I, I will start doing that and that's on my one of my goals for like next year but yeah I think there's so many entry-level ways for you to get yeah. into it it doesn't have to be this scary no I think thing. if you just want to buy and hold kind of what I do so I just kind of pick investments that are like the ones in my super and I don't try and stock pick or day trade or anything like that Perler is quite a good platform. They have lists of popular investments. So if you have no idea where to start, you can look at those investments and Google them and go from oh, there. I like that. Yeah, and you can see my portfolio on there as well. So people can put up their portfolios if you want. And they promote ETF investing and long-term investing. And they're not trying to make money for people day trading. Um, I do do sponsor content with Perler as a disclaimer. But yeah, I really align with them. And they're kind of, yeah, they're very good. I'm definitely going to check them yeah. out. And I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned day trading. Cause oh my gosh, yeah. I, I dated a day trader. Really? Mm, yeah <laughs> and it was just stress yeah yeah I think a lot of people think like you have to sit there with like your four compu computer That's monitors like. watching constantly yeah, yeah but you don't like I literally invest like my super yeah every and then fortnight. you just like set and forget basically. yeah yeah it's automated completely it takes it out like a bill it's just direct debited and then it just automates it and it's it's yeah it's great so it, take, it took me a little bit to set up in the start but now that I know what I'm doing I don't really have to do anything yeah it just goes in the background and a lot of people are worried about losing lots of money, but like it's literally the same as what your super's invested in. Correct. And the government wouldn't put all of our money into something that's just going to drop completely. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. How was seeing a financial advisor? Amazing. Yeah. And I think one of the best things I did, and the reason that I started seeing a financial advisor was because I had gotten my first high paying adult job. Mm -hmm. It was like a high six figure salary job. And I was out of debt for the first time in my life. I, I knew that I wanted to save for a property. But I just thought, while I have this money, I need to. I need someone to tell me yeah, what to really do with it. Yeah, <laughs> lots of people are like, oh, I don't want to spend because the median cost of financial advice for a full financial plan, I think, is three thousand dollars at yep. the moment, like up to five grand. And a lot of people don't want to spend that money, but the but impact I think you it get was from it, it, yeah, yeah, it was worth it. Just alone in what he has done for me with that super element, yeah. with you know setting my setting me up for like that long term. Yeah. And he basically showed me if we start investing or whatever he's doing with my super or if I'm actually investing my money with him for shares, what that looks like over the rest of my life. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. Yeah. Like the impact of investing now. So worth like whatever, it. I think if you invest $100 a week for 40 years at like 7% return, you can end up with a million dollars. Yeah. Which is insane. But it's all about starting early. So it's definitely worth it. Correct. And I would say that obviously for this listener, you don't definitely don't need thousands. Of, and I would say if you are in a position to be able to do it, start as early as you can. 
and start with five dollars yeah five dollars in and just experiment because even if that doesn't go well at least you know how you react and i think one of the biggest lessons is learning your risk tolerance in the real world yes and then you can yes well that so my financial advisor got me to fill out this questionnaire and he like assessed my risk yeah you can google like risk tolerance quiz yeah Yeah. and it was just interesting for me to see what my risk was because I didn't even really know or understand how risk played a part yeah because a lot of people are like oh we'll just buy shares but shares are a very high risk asset and if you are more of a low risk investor you'll kind of need to have things like bonds and cash as part of your portfolio and I think that's kind of missed in the conversation a lot it's like shares is the only answer or crypto is the only answer out there when there are safer things not safer but yet less risky things yeah different options out there yeah but yeah, I think it's really hard to know how to answer some of those questions when they're like, how would you feel if this happened when it hasn't happened to you before? Yeah. Like it's easy to sit here and be like, oh, I'd be fine. But in reality, you're like, ah, oh, I yeah. don't like this. When am I going to be in that position? Yeah. I might never be in that position. I don't know what that actually feels like. And then the like. biggest risk is selling when you've lost money or when your yeah. shares are down. Yeah. It's wild. Yes. It's wild. <laughs> very fun. Very exciting. Very, very exciting. All right, guys, I feel like we can wrap the show there. Thank you, Tash. I'm so excited that you've come on and I think our listeners will get a lot of value out of this episode. I want to know where can listeners find you? I am Tasha Vest on TikTok and Instagram. Um, Yeah, I'll be posting investing content very soon now that I can officially do it. Amazing. Yeah, definitely come hang out. Yeah. We love that. And what is next for you? What are you working on? What are your plans for next year? I'm excited. I'm starting a new job next week, actually. Yeah, in kind of OT stuff. And then I'm going to do that part time. And then I'm going to start doing more investing content. Yeah. Start a podcast and make lots of fun content. Yeah. Amazing. So we can't wait to get your, listen to your podcast. I'm very excited for that. Do we have a name? When's it coming or too soon? Oh, probably February. Okay. Still, we're trying to make it really, we're trying to make it great and not, yeah, very helpful, very organized because I found investing really hard to learn about so we want to do like here are the 10 steps in order that you can follow to learn about investing oh i can't so, wait yes a little bit harder to script but we're getting there yeah, yeah. for sure that's exciting yeah. well we will just be patiently waiting till february <laughs> yes uh, we'll be consuming your instagram and tiktok content till then and thank you guys for listening for watching i appreciate you we will see you next time or i will see you next time and as always if you haven't come join us in the facebook group the link is in the bio on the podcast instagram If you like this episode, please leave me a review on Apple or a rating on Spotify. And I hope you have a great week ahead, guys. We'll see you next time. Thank you. No worries. Thank you, Tash. Have a great week, guys. Bye.